Now, of course, there arises the problem of transportation into the country. How to smuggle these two time bombs past the Royal Guard? I'll roll one bottle and a copy of the Saturday Evening Post so my brother can discover it like that. And I want him to discover it because it'll set his mind at ease. The other bottle? That one I'm tucking into my brother's suitcase. He shall transport it himself. We all good? Yeah. You? Yes. Oh, was that a start? I was literally just asking if you were ready to start. Yeah, I'm ready to start. <laughs> oh, good. Cool. Lovely. Actually, in my... Yeah, in our haste to, to record, I, I've forgotten who intros. No. Oh. Uh, which is very unlikely. You do it. I'll let you do it this time. Okay. All right. Thank you. See, I, I much prefer this, where we just defer and say, no, 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 it's up to you. Instead of going, no, no, it's mine. Yeah, I'm you know, tired of nice. that. I'm tired of fighting over it. Well, that's going to be our uh, end of 23, start of 2024 resolution, that we're not going to fight anymore hmm. and just say... I'm starting. I can't fight this feeling well, anymore. I've forgotten <laughs> what we started fighting for. Are you hooked on a feeling too? <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to All the Best Lines. Oh, we've started. Crikey. Yeah, Hello. I think we should. Hello. How are you? All right. You're looking very handsome tonight. I don't think so, but I appreciate the uh, the vote of confidence. Um, but uh, you're you're looking very beautiful. Thanks very much. Hair's on fleek. Is it? Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Saying nothing. <laughs> anyway, yeah. welcome to all the best lines. Sorry, I better start the show. Cause, uh, I did that. I did that a minute ago. I'll fight you for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> We're going against our rules already. That's not good. Hey, um, can I just quickly say, happy holidays. Yeah, and the same to you, my friend. Mm. Yeah, end of, a, end of a trying year, but here we are. Yeah. And I'm glad we've got a recording in before the end of the year. Mm. Um, which I will, behind the curtain style, let our listeners know that... This uh, was you know, quite, quite last minute. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, 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 I spoke to you about four hours ago. It's sort of like, oh, should we record? <laughs> so, yes, we should. Yeah. Oh, uh, there was the, here was the other conversation we had. Have you seen the film yet, Smokey? And you went, no. I was like, ah, could you watch it in the next four hours? He was like, yeah. And then I got off the call with you, and I was making dinner. We're about an hour and a half away from when we had arranged mm-hmm. to meet up. I was like, I actually probably should watch the film again myself, because... There's lots in it, and there's you know much detail mm. that I'm sure Smokey, fresh from the print, will will come on and say this, 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 and this happens, and I'm, I'll be mm. like, oh yeah, no. So I thought I'd better go back and watch it myself. Hence, we've had a half hour delay, but here we are. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But you know, it's good to have a refresher and mm. uh, get up on all the all the finer details. I mean, don't get me wrong. I normally watch these things twice to to probably get them. In my head, but uh, no, I, I only watched this once. But uh, well, mm, what can I say? Much to say, yes. Well, we did Billy Wilder I, last time, um, so I thought we did. This might be a, a good way of showing how diverse he was as a writer. Mm. So, uh, Absolutely, yes, very much so. Uh, I I would just like a tiny little bit of uh, of admin in before we move on to the film, which is which is that in the last episode, regardless of how long ago that was, is that you. Uh, set a, a code oh, for people to confirm mm-hmm. <laughs> you knew this was going to come back to bite you on the ass to confirm that they were actually listening downloading and everything else mm-hmm. right and we had a lot of people giving your code back to you like an in your face roach how many here it is how many I, oh i have i don't have the final number but it was a lot three it's still counting as people listen yeah so Three. I, I I'd say at least double that. No, that's very impressive. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. Hi to all of you. How are you doing? How to, hi to all of you that we're in a private WhatsApp group. <laughs> yeah. What I need you to do, guys, I need you to say this number to Adam. Why, Smokey? Because um, it will just off and it, you know, be funny not, for the lols. I'm not, I'm not having this, right? You know, yeah, I'm not. But in the spirit of uh, of, of <laughs> not fighting any longer, we shall we shall let it lie. Can't fight these year. numbers anymore. <laughs> I've forgotten why we started podcasting for. <laughs> oh dear me! 
<laughs> I'm only oh. kidding. I know there are billions of you out I know. there. Thank you, and hello yeah. to you all. <laughs> there we go. See, that's all you have to do. You know what, though? The best podcasts mm. are the ones you make just because they're fun to make. And if anyone else listens in, that's a bonus. Yes, mm. I, I completely agree. Yeah. Mm. Because I'm going to about to take you, I'm, I'm literally about to take you on a really <coughs> weird non sequitur right now. Ooh. Which is that I, I know you're not a viewer of uh, professional wrestling. Okay. That's what you think. Yeah. However, have you heard of a wrestler called Tony Storm? Tony Storm. A, f- a female wrestler, Tony with an I, Storm. Mm, no. Okay. Well, I just wanted to point this out. And for all you uh, Golden Age cinema fans out there, Tony Storm is the wrestler to be following right now. Why? And I'm going to tell you why. Because she came up with a new gimmick a few months ago. Can you tell me why, please? She start. I, I, I'm going to. Okay. <laughs> Is that she um, started acting a little bit like a prima donna, and the crowd really reacted to it. Right. It was just a flippant thing, and then she decided to dive f- headfirst into this persona, right? And she is now called Timeless Tony Storm, and all of her segments and her uh, sort of bits of her fight are, are shot in black and white with the crackly film on it and she and she's her persona now is like an old hollywood star wow it's a genius gimmick everyone is loving it and she just won the title she is now world champion of what sorry okay uh, of AEW wrestling okay. A- it's the second cup comp- A-E-W. What does it stand for? Yeah. Uh, All Elite Wrestling. All Elite. Right, okay. It's the second company behind WWE. The big, you know, the big one. Okay. This is the second one. And it's it's a young upstart. It's doing well. It's uh, it. They sold uh, 80,000 at Wembley at the end of last year. Hmm. They're doing very well for themselves. So if they're all all Elite Wrestling, then why aren't Mm -hmm. the WWE in there? Well, is it mostly funny elite? You mentioned that. Is it M E W? Funny, funny you mentioned that. Is a lot of the WWE wrestlers mm. who weren't getting what they wanted there have moved over to AEW. Right. So, but the reason I point this out mm. is that Tony Storm has embraced this old Hollywood persona, and she's doing it so so well okay. that I think I that there's up. this whole crowd of old Hollywood. Uh, you know, re- uh, film fans who you could just get behind Tony Storm and just go, she's doing it really right. You know, she's mm-hmm. adopted a lot of sort of Joan Crawford and Catherine Hepburn kind of things into her persona, and it's really clever. Mm. Uh, let's have a look. Yeah, I'm looking at her right now. Are you... Yeah, I mean, the... yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. So, yeah, she's a bit of a vintage girl then. Um, she's very beautiful, and every picture I can see is her in some you know state of undress. I'm looking at this picture in particular. She looks very Jean Harlow, I would say, and that's cool. I mean, anything to bring to make people go, "Wow, like your star, where's it from?" And then she says, "Check out 1930s screwball comedies," and then um, people go, "Yeah, great, I really enjoyed that film. Perhaps I should explore more." But yeah. I think I think there is a general consensus that people are swinging their gaze back a century now, so that's cool. We're in the vanguard. I agree. Yeah. I, agree. I think what we should do, Smokey, is we should mm. both wear leather pants and leather bras, mm. and um, mm. we yeah. won't look as good as she does, though. No, but I just wanted to bring that to your attention because she is she's she's incredible, yeah, and uh, and she's really embraced this this old Hollywood uh, persona, and it's it's working a dream for her. As I said, she, at time of recording, she's the champ. Wow, all for Tony Storm. What's her real name? Good man. Uh, I don't know actually. I know she's Australian. I, uh, oh. Actually, is she Australian? Yeah, I think Tony so. Rossell. Cool. Oh, well, good on you, Tony. Um, and loving yeah. your work. As you say, very beautiful woman, mm. and she just happens to wrestle like a mother as well. She does really well. Mm. Okay, right. let's talk about a film. So, yeah, so as you say, we'd done two films in a row, two comedies, and two had a gangster angle, and yeah. we should go away from that. And yeah. uh, uh, wanted a bit of a thriller type. Yeah. Um, and as you say, you stuck with Billy Wilder. Yeah. And you gave us The Lost Weekend. 
Yeah, I mean, Lost Weekend is one of those films that was very heavily awarded when it was out. I mean, even by critics and not just not just um, sort of the American critics. I think a lot of European critics loved it as well. They really dug the style and dug the honesty of it and everything. And plus it's Billy Wilder. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought it was one of those films that I loomed large over the golden age, especially because, you know, Ray Milan got best actor and very well regarded. I always looked at it and thought it looks a bit heavy for me and a bit serious. I'm not sure I want to see that kind of thing in a movie. Because like, I don't come to the golden age for it to be... You know, put through the mill. I come to it for escapism. Yeah. Um, so I put off watching it for a long time. And about two years ago, I was like, oh, I might rack up the Lost Weekend because I'm in a bit of a Billy Wilder mood. And I remember watching it and just being really impressed by it because it's, it's one of those films that you, you put it on and you kinda, it's straight in there. There's no like build. You don't see him descend into alcoholism. He's properly in there from no. the beginning. And it's stylishly done. I mean, the... the and he gets what I love about Billy Wilder's writing is he gets straight to the heart of a character in just a few shots and just a few mannerisms. It's crazy the way he writes. He he, uh, you watch a Billy Wilder film and he puts into words or verbalizes things that you didn't even know you knew about the human condition. You get it with even in things like some like it hot. You know, there's there's moments in that where he just absolutely pierces through and just says, "This is all fun and games," but actually, um, that there are you know, serious things about you know <laughs> men and women that we should talk about. And I really love everything he writes, but I I think the Lost Weekend for me, as someone who has, I don't say struggled with alcohol, but you know, I I I have recognised at times that I've been drinking too much and all that kind of thing there are there are certain lines that he he puts into words that you go wow that's so true and so honest and so clear anyway um you know it's not get to a review straight away but um i I remember being really (laughs) really impressed by it and wanting to watch it again so when we did billy wilder some like it hot last time i thought actually if you want something a bit dark let's stick with billy wilder because as well it's great to read you know everyone associates him with comedy i think but when you actually he can do dark i know right double indemnity is billy wilder lost mm. weekend is billy wilder and then you have some like it hot and you have things like midnight which he wrote you know before he'd even become a director and foreign affair and i think the perfect distillation i think of his comedy and his bitterness i think is probably mm the apartment and probably always will be the apartment you know if you want to really laugh but actually really stomach churning i can't even look at the screen because of how uncomfortable this is the apartment's like you know the distillation of all of those yeah sorry i'm going on too long but i just think (laughs) no no you're not keep going lost weekend for me i was just so surprised that it went there um Mm. in the ways that it does and there are certain moments in it that i look at and go eesh like, yeah, we'll get to them. But um, there are also, <laughs> I think I, I, I was going to say to you, actually, before we started talking, there is going to be okay. a moment during a scene that you're describing where you go, oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I do say that. Yeah, you do say that a lot. But I, I could do. just hear your voice. When I saw this scene earlier on, I was re-watching it. I was like, oh, Smokey's going to do his, oh, I mean, there's a dilla. Come on. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, wow. I, I think it's a good film. And um, I, I'm glad we've, yeah. um, we're doing it. So. I am glad you mentioned The Apartment, though, because I don't think I don't think you can talk about The Lost Weekend without mentioning The Apartment, because uh, The Apartment has obviously the, the broad humour of that, the beginning, especially before mm-hmm. it's, you know, something bad happens. Whereas... The Lost Weekend doesn't really have that much humour at the beginning. No. I mean, Ray Milan, Ray Milan is an ass. I mean, he's yeah. he's he's unapologetically an ass. And I think that really helps it. I mean, obviously you get the start, which is basically his missus and his brother trying to perform an intervention. You better take this along, Don. It's gonna be cold on the farm. Okay. How many shirts are you taking? Three. I'm taking five. Five. Yeah, I told him at the office I might not be back until Tuesday. We'll get there this afternoon. That'll give us all Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We'll make it a long, wonderful weekend. Sounds long, all right. It'll be good for you, Don, after what you've been through. Trees and grass and sweet cider and buttermilk and water from that well that's colder than any other... Wait, please, why this emphasis on liquids? Very dull liquids. 
which is brutal, you know, to watch as a, you know, this guy is a, a functioning alcoholic, well, barely functioning alcoholic. And, um, but it doesn't shy away from that, mm-hmm. you know. It, it it literally says this is what we're doing for the guy. And uh, I, I have to say that um, I was incredibly inf- impressed by Philip Terry, who plays Wick. I thought mm. he was excellent. Because all the way through it, he's, he's trying to save his brother. And his brother just doesn't want saving. Mm. Uh, and also his, his story doesn't get really a redemption because he's not there at the, in the final act. So I, I thought that was a very interesting thing. I, I'm guessing you're, the scene you're talking about that I might have an issue with might have to do with the uh, might have to do with the bat. Yes, I think that that was what yeah. I was thinking. Um, it's interesting you mentioned about the brother because I, what I like about this film so much in general is that it's completely unconventional. Like, like I know there were issue mm. films happening at the time. You look at films like Gentleman's yeah. Agreement. Well, they were doing anti-Semitism, and then you know, and and this, I think, everything else was always a little bit whimsical, uh, but this one for me is like a horror film. Um, mm. But it's shot like a horror film, and it's scored like a horror film as well. Miklos, oh yeah, Rotza score on this thing is this. It sounds like Spellbound from Hitchcock. It's like theremins, and and you. When it first starts, you're like, this is weird. You know, it's a bit kooky. Um, But actually, it sounds like something's whistling through his mind throughout the the film. And it's almost like it makes you, it gives it an uncanny feel. And I think that that's perfect, really, for for what he was going for. Uh, You ever see uh, Eyes Without a Face? Yeah, the Franju film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so the the zither in the music with that. I mean, mm. when I was watching The Lost Weekend, that was the film that instantly came to mind for me. Um, more so, because I've read a lot in the trivia as well and, and a few reviews, uh, uh, people were comparing it to um, uh, The Third Man. And I was just sort of like, no, this is, for me, this is Eyes Without a Face territory. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, that really resonated with me. Uh, but... Uh, I mean, it's basic, but the the zither, the zither is such a, a singular instrument once you hear it, and especially mm. with the third man. To be fair, it was a, you know you'd never unhear it because it's just there. Um, but I think it's used to really great effect in in Lost Weekend, and also if you if you boil it down to its bare essentials, it's basically a sort of five hander. This film. You know, there's only really sort of four or five mm. really main characters in this, and they all have their part to play. I mean, obviously the the massive weight is on Ray Milan's shoulders, but it's the supporting actors for me that that lift this up. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's good, and he probably I don't know who was up against him in the Oscars that year, but he probably deserved his Oscar. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, I think that. Yeah, I I, I think he I think he's great. But as you say, yes, let's let's do a bit of the. Of, the plot <laughs> it's like it kicks off on a thursday and um don burnham played by raymond and he's packing to go away with his brother wick played by philip terry and he's basically it becomes clear within a few moments that wick is staging an intervention it's like you can't keep on drinking don it's gotten out of hand we can't have a repeat of what's been happening you know and it's all very it's very doom laden. You get the feeling that Don has overstepped some kind of mark and that it's time for other people to step in and save him. So, um, but what I love is that the film opens on a shot of Don's apartment window and you can see hanging from the window frame, a string (laughs) outside and tied to the string is a bottle of rye. And, um, it's almost screwball comedy. Don is trying to get, Wick to leave the room so that he can rescue this bottle from outside. Because Wick's obviously been through the room to make sure there's no booze, and he's been through Don's case that they're packing to make sure that he's not taking booze with him. And uh, Don has yeah. cleverly hidden this bottle hanging from the window frame outside. So he's trying to get this bottle in, and he's you know go and look for my typewriter, look under the bed, you know look under the, look in the thing, look in the thing. So Wick's there going, where's the typewriter? And Don's frantically trying to get this bottle in and untie it, and you know every time he's about to get it free, Wick comes back in. So it's clear he's got a problem, and it comes across because he's like, hey, it's Billy Wilder, you know. You think maybe oh, and this is a bit funny and a bit, and then suddenly yeah. the, the bomb drops, and you realise that 
actually, this guy's got a real problem. It's not, it's not funny. What's this? Eh? It's whiskey, isn't it? How'd it get there? I don't know. I suppose it dropped from some cloud or someone was bouncing it against this wall and it got stuck there. I guess I must have put it there. Yes, you must. Well, I don't remember when. Probably during my last spell, maybe the one before, I don't know. Oh, don't look at me like that, Helen. It doesn't mean a thing. I didn't know it was there. Even if I had, I wouldn't have touched it. And you won't mind. Mind what? Anyway, Jane Wyman arrives. And to, to cut a long story short, turns out she and Don have been struggling for the past few years. She's desperately in love with him and he loves her. But, you know, she's very much uh, a mistress to his mm. real wife, which is alcohol. And his addiction is spiraling out of control. She's um, she's very understanding, but she's coming to the end of uh, her rope. And I think she needs him to start changing. And um, She has been incredibly understanding. <laughs> oh, my God. The, her uh, la after you see what she's been put through, mm. after, you know, through the, through the course of the film. I mean... The fact that she even uh, has the the will to want to, to, you know, to save him or to just be with him, hmm. um, you know, because I, I, what is, what's the line she says at the end? I, I, I think I, I'd rather you were a drunk than you were dead, and it was just sort of like that's that's her. She's hitched her wagon to to that post, hmm. and uh, and that's a heartbreaking line. Um, that whole last scene, regardless is, of, is amazing. Yeah, oh God. So yeah, good. yeah, and and. Gotta give her credit. She she's fantastic. This everyone says about Jane Wyman, and you know, uh, she got an Oscar for I think it's Johnny Belinda, and she's most famous I think for playing in Hitchcock's Stage Fright. And I think she, everyone sees her as kind of plain and a little bit, and you know, she was Mrs. Ronald Reagan for a while, and it's that kind of thing. You know, she's just clean cut, um, never outstanding. I think she is incredible in this film because she goes from, you know, just the, the, this girl who was vaguely interested in this guy to falling in love with him and then realising that what she's fallen in love with is, doesn't yeah. really exist and he is this yeah. monster beneath it. And uh, she decides, oh, well, I love him, so I'm going to help him. And and it costs her everything, basically. And, it, and, and mm. that final final scene, well, we'll get to it. But anyway, um, the, <laughs> we're, we're on Thursday... And basically, the bottle that's hanging outside of the window is found, and um, disappointment yep. is expressed. So all of Don's money is taken, and he's you know shut up in the apartment without any booze and without any money. And the uh, Wick and Helen, played by Jane Wyman, they they stomp off and they say, "We'll, we'll come back and get you later. And we're going to go away for this weekend and stages intervention." Basically, the the whole story is Don's quest to get drunk again at every opportunity because he. Yeah can't function without it and there are certain moments where he's trying to explain why like especially to the barman um nat who is brilliant mm. in this film he's played by isn't howard, he wonderful howard de silva oh god his relationship with don is incredible because he starts off as just a bartender <laughs> who's feeding this awful creature over the bar and then they sort of fall out and they have these I don't know. It's just, you can't really explain it. You have to watch it. It's such a great, yeah. it's such a well-written relationship. Do you know what? Uh, I'll just I'll just say um, a, what's the word? And a comparison, an opposite comparison is this is what Harvey would be if the bartenders <laughs> refused Jimmy Stewart a drink. Very Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, mm, yeah. well, it is. I mean, because, because he's so personable, and mm -hmm. he goes into these bars, and whether he's a lunatic or whether he's a drunk or whether he does have a imaginary six foot friend, uh, rabbit friend, it's it's it, he goes into his bar. They know his proclivities, and they go, "Here's a drink, you know, enjoy." Mm. Whereas in the Lost Weekend, they're going, "Oh, here's a drink," mm. you know. It is the same but opposite, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and I and I think that's. I mean, you could he double bill this with Harvey. Put Harvey at the end, obviously, so he could be happy. <laughs> but because um, you know, as we say, you know, cheery for Christmas. Well done. Um, <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, and I, I was just getting flashes of that with this as well. Obviously, I'm going to because that's uh, one of my favourite films. But um, mm. but it it was wonderful to watch this um, this story play out in the way it did, and. 
there are so many heartbreaking moments in this film. There really are. Um, hmm. But watching him being, you know, in the city when everything is closed and he can't get a drink and he's dying. He His words, he's dying because he can't get a drink. Hmm. And Nat, the bartender, says, you know, oh, it's it starts with one drink, uh, one free drink, and then you, uh, you want 100, but that's not enough. Hmm. You know, and that's, dear me. Just the, wi- the wisdom, the wisdom of, yeah. um, I mean, only someone who drinks and has a problem can recognise the inner workings of why they need that drink. And and yeah. I think Billy Wilder articulates it so well. There's a scene very early in the film where Ray Milan talks about how, you know, he can't write unless his brain is on fire with alcohol. Matt, weave me another. Better take it easy. Oh, don't worry about me. Just let me know when it's a quarter of six. Okay. Come on, Matt. Join me. One little jigger of dreams, huh? No, thanks. You don't approve of drinking? Not the way you drink. It shrinks my liver, doesn't it, Matt? It pickles my kidneys, yes. But what does it do to my mind? It tosses the sandbags overboard so the balloon can soar. Suddenly, I'm above the ordinary. I'm competent, supremely competent. I'm walking a tightrope over Niagara Falls. I'm one of the great ones. I'm Michelangelo molding the beard of Moses. I'm Van Gogh painting pure sunlight. I'm Horowitz playing the Emperor Concher. I'm John Barrymore before the movies got him by the throat. I'm Jesse James and his two brothers, all three of them. I'm W. Shakespeare. And out there, it's not Third Avenue any longer. It's the Nile, Ned. The Nile, and down it moves the barge of Cleopatra. He talks about, you know, all of a sudden these oceans are running and, you know, he can stare into the past and he can take Mm. Cleopatra's hand and every word he's ever, you know, it's all at his grasp and everything like this. But then it starts to fade, so he has to keep drinking and then everything mucks up. The way Billy Wilder writes it is so perfect. I've had that feeling in the past. Oh, I write better when I, you know, drink. And it's awful to admit later and it's embarrassing, really. But it's true. There is something liberating about when you take away the conscious mind and it's just, you know, your primal. Yeah. It's like touching the unknown. I'm never going to articulate it as well. But anyway. I think you'll do well. He, he, he does it about five or six times in the film and you just get it. You get yeah. it so well. Mm. And there's other touches as well. Like he's having a few drinks at the bar and you see the rings from the glass on the bar. Like five That's or six genius. Times. And it cuts away, and they're having a conversation about how to how to rescue him. And it cuts back to the bar, and we see that the rings have increased yeah. by like, you know, and it, you can see it's it so, so much more. clever. It's so well done. I mean, just beautifully made this film, and it's so it's I, so insightful. But it's it's one of those things that you take for granted when it first happens. You see that first ring of the shot glass on the bar, and you don't pay it any mind. It's just a ring on a bar, hmm. and then you see a couple more, and then it kind of looks like the uh, the Olympic rings. And yeah. You sort of go, oh, okay, right, so all right. that doesn't mean anything either. Hmm. Yeah, and then it just shows you more and more and more. It looks and like chainmail. It was like the end. <laughs> perfect description. Hmm. Of it. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Mm. Um, it's those little uh, moments that are wonderful with Billy Wilder films. I have to agree, especially as you say with with Double Indemnity. It goes so well with this. Um, there's a there's a shot later in the film when it's focusing on a clock, mm. and it just stays there for so 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 long. Mm. And then you see the three balls of the pawn shop above it. And it's like, ah, okay, mm. that's why we're looking at this. But it just lingers on it for just too long, but not long enough in my mind. It was, it was, It's brilliant. The whole film is about a weekend that he spends mm. descending about as low as a human being can go and whether or not he will yeah. find the strength to pull himself out. Because Thursday he goes and gets drunk. And there's this great character called Gloria, who's a, basically a prostitute. Yes. Um, in yeah. in the bar, and she you know she she has pickups. Um, there's a there's a great scene where a client Aww. turns up. Where he client he turns up and asks for her, and she looks at him and goes, "Oh no, 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 I'm not Gloria." <laughs> yeah, so no, on. she's got a burst appendix. <laughs> yeah, no. And he says, "Well, are you interested?" No, I'm not. No, go away. Yeah. <laughs> but um, basically, she's always sort of had a thing for Raymond. and he sets up this date with her because he's drunk and feeling a bit merry and. Um, when he turns up to her door, 
you know, and he's mm. let her down on this date. And you'd be like, yeah, she's a, she's an escort, but for God's sake, she has a heart. She says, you know, I spent all day getting ready like it was my first ever date. Well, Mr. Don Burnham, as I live and breathe. Well, if you're coming for a date, you're a little late, aren't you, Mr. Burnham? And if you're coming to apologize, no thanks. Thanks a lot, but no thanks. Gloria. Save your saliva. I had enough of you. Deaf but deaf. What do you think I am? I break a business date. I buy me an evening purse, a facial, a new hairdo. Well, maybe you can do that to your ritzy friends, but you can't to me, understand? Gloria. Okay. What do you want, Mr. Don Burnham, Esquire? I need some money. You what? Could you let me have some money? Say, you out of your mind? Don't be ridiculous. Get out of here. Make with those stairs. Go on. And he's in the throes of the DTs at the time, and, and he just yeah. he can't even see the pain in her face. He just says, I need money. And she's like, how could you have done this to me? And he leans in and kisses her. And she's like, and you can tell she's so starved for human connection. No one's ever kissed me without paying for it. That it just brings her defences down. And she's like, yeah, what do you need? Money? Here you go. And mm. <laughs> she retreats back indoors. Like, oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's just small characters like that. They're only in it five minutes. Mm. But they're just so... God, he's such a clever, clever writer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't disagree. I really can't, and um, and this, yeah, <laughs> you know, we're not we're not doing levity uh, apparently, <laughs> but yeah, this this film, this film breaks your heart in several several places. But as you say, I I will say this though for it, uh, which did really take me by surprise. I mean, it's called the Lost Weekend, or um, as apparently reading the trivia, that was a misprint. It was supposed to be the last weekend. Oh, was it? Um, okay, so. Yeah, apparently. So, uh, yeah, they didn't find out until later on that the book was actually called the last, I think, if I've got that bit of trivia right. But um, what surprised me a lot was that you had this great build-up of an opening half an hour of seeing Ray Milland and and his pain and, you know, going through this and obviously his brother and his girlfriend who were trying to help him. And then suddenly throwing in the, uh, the idea of a flashback on what his book would be. Mm. That's that's brilliant. That brilliant. is absolutely wonderful. And not only that, it also instructs you, again, after half an hour of just, you know, quite <laughs> barefaced unhappiness, it then tells you, okay, this is how the rest of the film is going to go until we get caught up again. Because it doesn't just do one flashback, it does several. That's a that's a great device to do. It's so clever. But, but the thing is, yeah, but the thing is, is it, is it doesn't take the mick. It doesn't insult you as a viewer. It sort of says, yeah, but we'll get to a natural conclusion and then we'll get back to real time as well. And it's that's that's a genius way of making a film. It really is. So, but, so <laughs> why, what, why don't people do that now? So what Smokey's describing there is that um, on day two, I think is the Friday, he sits at the bar and, and talks to Nat, the bartender, about his proposed novel that yeah. he's been trying to write for years, and it's called The Bottle. Mm. And um, it starts <laughs> it starts with him meeting a girl, basically, and then we flash back. And so basically the novel is going to be about his alcoholism. And uh, the story of how he meets Helen is just so so clever. He comes out of a, really a, a, a play after the first act, an opera, sorry, after the first act, because oh, he... But- he wants his coat because there's a but, bottle in it, and um, yeah, gives but his... but the whole the whole scene with him watching La Traviata, mm. and it's the drinking yeah, the, the drinking, drinking song yeah. from La Traviata, <laughs> and it's everyone and on it's... stage is drinking, and he's watching it, and but the music is continuing playing. Mm. There's no break, mm. and he's just watching all the people on stage it's drinking, his lips and, smacking, you know, and his mouth getting drier. Oh, yeah. um, so he goes out to the cloakroom to get his coat, and <laughs> because there's a bottle of rye in there, and he gives the ticket in, and it turns out to be a lady's coat and the man says mm. to him you know hey this isn't yours is it it certainly isn't that's what it says though 417 i don't care what it says the checks must have gotten mixed up maybe they did find me my coats a plain man's raincoat and a derby are you kidding do you know how many plain men's raincoats we have on a day like this about a thousand well let me get back there. i can find it oh please that's against regulations sir i am not going to wait here until the end of the performance well you can get your coat tomorrow tomorrow yeah look man there's something in the pocket of that coat that i well, it so happens I found myself without any money. And I need that coat. I need it now. Listen, if everybody went digging in through those coats, there's regulations. There's got to be regulations. <laughs> then what do you suggest? Wait till the other party arrives and swap. 
I want my coat. As far as I'm concerned, mister, that's your coat. So he has to wait, and of course it's Jane Wyman, and they have this meet-cute thing where he's initially awful because all he wants is his bottle back. Um, then, you know, they end up going off. The scenes in this that stand out for me, the first one is when he goes to meet her parents and, you know, yeah. he can hear overhear them talking in the lobby before he's even shaken hands with them. And they're talking about how they're going to interrogate him, basically, or what they want to know. And he <clears throat> immediately gets this, oh, my God, I can't face this today. I need a drink. So he goes and has a drink, leads to one more. He goes back to his apartment and just basically loses the whole day. In a, in, a, in a bottle yep. and Jane Wyman turns up and his brother's there and his brother has realised what's happened and he's shoved Don into a cupboard and said just wait there I'll get rid of her for you I can never understand why somebody like Don a person with such talent such flashes of real brilliance maybe I'm a bit prejudiced what are you doing Wick? nothing where did that bottle come from? it just rolled out from under the couch? yes Helen you know it's my guess that Don caught an early train Is and that Don's bottle? What makes you think that? There was a bottle the first time we met. There was? It fell out of Don's pocket. That was for me, Helen. This one's mine, too. You might as well hear the family scandal. I drink. Don thinks I drink too much. I had to promise to go on the wagon. That's why I hid the bottle so he wouldn't see it. Oh, I'm sorry, Wick. I shouldn't have started asking questions. It's really none of my business. Forget it, Helen. I'd better be getting back to the hotel. Don's probably there already. And don't worry, Wick, I won't mention a word of it to him. Thank you, Helen. Bye. Bye. Helen! I'm sorry, Helen, I can't let you go. Not like this. Don! Shut your mouth, Don. I'll take you downstairs. Thanks very much for your Philadelphia story, Wick. Nice try. And it's heartbreaking to watch because she comes in and Wick, his brother, basically takes the blame for it. You know, no, Don's in Philadelphia. He's going after a job. The, um, she he finds, does it so well. It does it, and it's so naturalistic as well. You know, there's no like yeah. quick cut to the eyes where he's like, "What can I say?" You know, it's all yeah. no, 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 that's mine. You know, and he takes the blame, and in the end, Don steps out of the cupboard because he can't bear to have his heart broken anymore for, because of his brother taking all of this shame onto himself to, <laughs> yeah. to save his face. That's an, an amazing yeah. scene. Um, I love that scene. But the second scene that stands out for me is the scene in which Don goes to a bar and he um, is ordering drinks like crazy and then realises he hasn't got enough money. So he oh yeah, he needs about $10 or something, doesn't he? And he's only got like $5. That's right, yeah. So he, he looks around and there's a lady and a man sat next to him and, and they're sort of canoodling. So he swipes this lady's purse and sort of st sticks yeah. it under his jacket, goes into the loose and sort of robs the, the purse. And he's about to go back and stick the purse back onto this lady's seat with a flower in it because he thinks, you know, that's some kind of gesture of thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. God, he gets back to the restaurant and they've realised what's happened and he is confronted and shamed in front of the whole restaurant for having stolen this lady's purse. And it's one of the most excruciating scenes. And you think, God, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And the, to Billy Wilder's credit, he doesn't take the dramatic. He just says, no, I, yeah, I stole the, the purse. And, and yeah. you go, oh, that's 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 interesting. You know, and, and she's like, why did you take it? He's like, because I can't afford to pay for my drinks, basically. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a lush. And he gets booted out and everything. And it, it's just a really... That's what would happen, you know. It's not. It's not like it's not a cinema version of what would happen. That's what would happen. No, he, he takes the realistic yeah. tag. Brilliantly done. That whole scene is is wonderful at ramping up the tension because you you don't know what he's gonna do and mm. you're you're wondering if he can get back to his seat with the stolen purse and whatnot. And it's wonderful because as soon as he steps out of the bathroom and and he's walking across, you know that everyone knows what he's done mm. and. Uh, uh, even the piano player starts playing a tune to uh, humiliate him, <laughs> which is oh god, and 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 that's that is is what well, what you think is his lowest ebb, and of course mm. it isn't. Mm -hmm. um, I did want to ask about the uh, what you thought about the sort of drunk tank mm. scene. Um, so he gets you know he. Um, what was he doing? As you said, he went to see his his prostitute friend, and he falls down the stairs, and they mm. ended up taking him into this sort of cuckoo's nest mm. drunk tank. This was an odd scene to put in. I thought. You think um, so? Obviously, it, ma it makes sense later on, 
with what the hallucinations he has to, mm. to explain that away in uh, a, a very tidy bit of exposition, I must say. But um, I don't know. I mean, in a film that's already dark, it's like you're trying to hammer home a little PTSD for alcoholics a little bit. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I really like that scene because Bim, the character who plays the also orderly yes. guy, who many will recognise as Ernie the cab driver from It's a Wonderful Life. He's seen, you know, he's seen a million of these guys before. And I love the way he handles Don yeah. at the beginning. <clears throat> he's like, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, by all means, he check out, really just well. go through the door. <laughs> you know, and it turns out that he can't without getting a release and everything. Um, I think Bim needed to be there to sort of playfully get across the fact that you're in for way more than this. You know, if you if you don't stop and Don sort of knows. This is how your family are gonna properly find out your problem. <clears throat> yeah. Because we're gonna tell them. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um it's an it's a nice little aside. It just adds to the nightmare of Act Three, mm. which I think is is great. And um, it, it uh, I think it's it's nice that it foreshadows the upcoming scene, which I think is probably going to get much derision. I didn't dislike it. I just think that it's it's very much in, in what has been a sort of fairly give or take up, how do I say? It? Regardless of what has actually happened, hmm. is that it is now suddenly hitting you with a sledgehammer around the head, saying, "Right, if you are a." a, a bad person if you are naughty then this is the the tragedy that's going to uh, befall you um so i so i get that i just i don't know i just there was something about it that felt a little too heavy heavy-handed to me but then of course you get the subsequent scenes of as you say the 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 bat on the wall and of course helen uh, sleeping outside his apartment waiting for him to come home <laughs> it all makes sense with that so I can't have a go at it too much because it does all make sense in the in the the grander scheme of things. Um, what we what were you referencing there? What did you think there was something in the in the last act that was too too heavy, or you said that something that some people don't like about the the end? Or no, no, no. I was going to say he foreshadows. He said, he talks about what most people go through when they get to the DTs and mm. the delirium tremens. He, sure. he says, you know, that guy has, you know. I can't remember what he says, moths or something like that. Um, uh, uh, yeah, beetles. Yeah, beetles. Yeah. And for you, it's going to be something. And we soon see what Don gets, which is, I think, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, goodness gracious me. You know, it's very Dracula 1931, the whole bat thing. <laughs> yeah. um, then again, I I think it was probably meant to be. Like, I watched it again today, and I thought, I know we're going to have to talk about this scene. Basically, what happens is he, he escapes from the, the hospital spends the whole day drinking and goes back to his apartment where Helen has been sleeping outside. He sort of, you know, manages to get in without her knowing that he's home. He goes into his apartment and starts hallucinating, basically. He sees a he sees a rat coming out of the wall, which is a real rat. Then he starts <laughs> yeah. um then he sees a bat. And the bat the bat is not a real bat. It's a bat on a string. Nope. But the bat is then he, it flies up to the hole in the wall where the rat was and gets bitten by the rat, dragged into the hole, and then there's blood coming down the wall and stuff. And that bit, for yeah. me, it's like you start... You see the bat sort of, you know, bouncing around on... on the, and then when it starts being attacked and you see blood and everything like that, you're like, ooh. It's, you know, and you could, and then Ray Land starts screaming and then we get a load of Dutch angles and, and, the, and the theremin <laughs> yeah. goes crazy. And it's like one of those things, that, you know, this is actually very well done. But I do think that when you first see the bat, it slightly takes you out of the moment until you realise, I think, probably what Billy Wilder was going for. Yeah, I could have used the real bat and probably spent a week filming it and gotten the realistic shot. But actually, what you're looking at is not a bat. It's um, a, a drunk man's DTs and the bat would yeah. just look like a... It's just basically a scary shape that jumps around. Yeah. Yeah. A very universal yeah, very type universal. plastic bat. <laughs> <laughs> I think it fits it. I think it fits it, to be honest. But, I, um, yeah. I, 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 I am glad to, to prove you wrong. I didn't have that reaction when I saw it. I mean, when I first saw it, I was like, really? But obviously, Did you say, in the context oh, of the scene... Oh, come on! <laughs> I didn't. I did not at all. I did not. I was just all like, uh... But um, but no, but it but it does it it, it fits the scene and the the scene that you know when it hits the wall and the the 
the baton the rat going that in the blood. That I mean, that that's shocking. It's nightmarish. Yeah, that is a sh- yeah, that is a shocking scene. And also the fact that he's screaming his head off, and <laughs> and his next door neighbor is all going, uh, "Yeah, he's here. He's yelling." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, you, you don't say. <laughs> he is yelling his head off. Um, but after, but it, but it. It's it's um it's dampened by by the fact that we've already seen the scene with him being in the hospital and they're saying right well that guy sees things this guy has night terrors uh this guy's gonna get oh, what does he call it a floor show hmm. getting ready for the floor show you know and you know there's gonna be violence so it all builds up quite nicely so no I didn't I didn't uh, do it oh come on I didn't. <laughs> oh That's come it. on. <laughs> I could have done. I could have done, could have done. But I didn't. No, no. No, it all worked out really well. Um the the thing I, I do like about this, um and and it, the, I fine. If I if I was gonna do a oh come on, it it is with with Helen, you know, constantly sticking by him. Hmm. You know, I mean, she's what do they say? She's been through this for three years with him, I think they say. Yeah, and and it's sort of like you know, she she can do better. <laughs> she's a very attractive woman. She could do a lot better. She could. She's got a very good heart and just happens to be incredibly beautiful. But um, she's amazing. And what happens after this nightmare scene is that Don storms out and. She thinks he's going to go for more booze, basically. And he, he takes her coat, doesn't he? And he takes yeah. it to a, tra- a, a pawn shop, um, her expensive coat, the, the one they met over. And she trails mm. him and thinks he's going to trade it for, for booze and actually finds out that he's gone to a pawn shop. So she goes into the pawn shop and says, I want my coat back, please. And how much did you give him? And he says, well, I didn't give him uh, money. I, I basically gave him an item back that he brought in a long time ago. A gentleman came in a while ago. How much did you give him for that coat? Why? Well, I want it back. It's my coat. It's your coat. Oh, it's all right. He had my permission. How much did you give him? He didn't want any money. He just wanted to swap it. Swap it? For what? Oh, something he hocked her a long while back. What? A gun. Then what we get is this climactic scene, and I think it's absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. I think it's one of the the best scenes from Golden Age <laughs> Cinema. She realises now that he's so far gone, and he is so damaged, that he's going to kill himself... So the only way to stop him from killing himself is to give him a drink. And this is something she's been trying to fight him with. All the way. She comes to this heartbreaking realisation that she loves him so much, mm. she'd rather have him there and drunk and ruined yep. than not here at all. Here it is, right here. Why don't you have one? Just one. What are you up to? Nothing. I'm just ashamed of the way I talk to you. Like a narrow-minded, insensitive, small-town teetotaler. I told you I don't feel like a drink. Not now. Come on, Don, just one. I'll have one with you. I'm in no hurry. This is my easy day at the office. Look, Helen, there are a few things I want to put in order before week comes. Let me stay. Please. No. I don't want to sound rude, but I'm afraid you'll have to leave now. Here, Don. You're very sweet. Goodbye. Don't let me bend for nothing. You need this, Don. Drink it. I want you to drink it. I'll get you some more. I'll get you all you want. What kind of talk is that? It's just that I'd rather have you drunk than dead. It's her pleading, isn't it? It's her... Because he's sober in that moment because of what Mm. he's gone through, he can see that what he's actually done to not just himself but to her is beyond the pale. So it leads to this redemption at the end. And it's a very yeah, fragile it, redemption. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that's very fair. But it's also talking to him about, you know, sort of saying, look, you've got your sober head on now. Um, the fact that she even sort of says, look, I'm a, I, I'm a teetotaler, I don't drink, but I will drink with you mm. if it makes you put the gun down. That was a, a an incredible moment. Mm. But it's also with talking it through him, uh, talking it through with him, that she sort of says, well, Everything you're telling me is the start of your book. And we've only gotten to the end of your book. Now, that's mm-hmm. why you can start it. And that's 
beautiful. <laughs> I mean, that's wonderful. Hmm. She's not doing it with any kind of heroism. Like, she is pretending no. as well. It's, it's a total yeah. art of it. She's not saying, you've come to the end of your rope. This is the this is the end of your book. You found the end of your story. I will take a drink with you and let us march on to a bright new tomorrow. It's not, it's not the kind of usual triumphant last three minutes of a film. She's desperately trying to convince him that actually, yeah, alcohol is brilliant. And you know what? Let's get drunk. <laughs> And it's and it's so heartbreaking to watch. Yeah, I mean, as I said, because of the, I mean, uh, the main uh, players of the cast, as I said, it's about a five hander. Yeah, and and it works so well because of that. Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, and 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 I I don't I'm gonna have to look it up now because to to see if I've seen Jane Wyman in anything else. Um, well, according to my list, I've only seen her in one other thing. Um, oh, and apparently she was a very minor character, and that was in Smart Blonde. I haven't seen her in anything else. Blimey. And um, but uh, but she she's she, she's wonderful for me. She she mm. is. For, I know, as I say, I know uh, Ray Milad won the Oscar, but for me, she's the star turning this. I think she's mm. incredible. She's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, mm. you can't deny that Raymond Land, when you see what the other kind of oh, roles no. he's but you know, I mean, Dial M for Murder, he's, you know, silky Tony well, Wendis. Yeah, we, we you know, had the big, the big clock, clock not too long Exactly, ago. but he's always a very calm, very collective, very cool, you know, and to see him go mm. through what he goes through is screaming his head off yeah. and sweating yeah. on, on cue and crying when he's just trying to ask for a drink. And, and the way he plays drunk as well is absolutely mm. perfect. So he definitely, definitely deserves the Oscar. I mean, God, he outacted half the Golden Age in this film alone. But um, as you say, Jane Wyman, how she didn't get an Oscar for this as well is baffling. <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely wonderful. Yeah, but as I say, so you have uh, Philip Terry as Wick, and then you have Howard De Silva as Nat. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have uh, Gloria as well, and then Bim, and there are so. Yeah, it's a very small cast for what is, um, for what is a you know a really hard hitting drama, mm. and that's that's to its credit. Yeah. I think I, I yeah, as you say, Billy Wilder was a genius. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's such a great film. I mean, I know he didn't write the source material. I know it was a novel, mm. but to yeah. have distilled it down into such a perfect one hundred minutes is. I feet, you know, you know that that takes an artist, and he proves again. Do, do you know what? Yeah, I, I I'm gonna have to agree with that as well. Is that, that this didn't feel like an hour and forty? Mm. This this flew past mm. this. Um, I I mean I I looked uh, when it went into that first flashback, and I think it was pretty much bang on the half hour mark. Yeah, because I was so surprised because because I was like, oh, they're throwing a flashback in here, and I looked, and I think it was a pretty much around the half hour mark. And then, to, as I said before, to, to find out that the rest of the film was going to be like that, you know, the punctuation of these flashbacks to this time they had had together uh, to culminate in what was going to come at the end was just all like... It, it, it was, it, uh, sometimes, not just old Hollywood, but just any film, just sometimes when you get that realisation of going, oh, that's what they're doing. It's like, oh, okay. It was a relief. It was all like, I got it. Oh, it's all right, mm. fine. But I still didn't know how it was going to end, obviously. And so, mm. yeah, it was, um, yeah, it's a joy to watch films like these. What I like, uh, there's no setup, there's no exposition. <laughs> You're literally in there from the moment, from, yeah. from moment one. There's no, you know, you don't need to get to know the characters first for their situation to mean more, which I really love about Billy Wilder. He just basically goes, yeah. right, let's write a story. And then let's choose mm-hmm. the perfect moment to drop you in, which is there. And it's nowhere near the beginning. You know, you don't get to see why his brother's doing the intervention. You know, it doesn't matter. No. The, all that matters doesn't is matter. the, the the most absorbing part of the story to drop an audience in. And he picks it perfectly. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. But it also kind of reminded me a little bit about, you know, you sort of think of something that really horrible has happened. Like when he's in the, uh, in the drunk tank and, you know, and he's watching all this horrendous stuff going on and it's sort of like, you know, if you're, if you're hitting that lower stage, how do you get back from here? And I hate to go back to it because we get a lot of crap for it, but it's a bit like his girl Friday is that if you're going to have someone die, 
how do you get back to comedy? The answer is mm. you can't. So mm. as we both know, even though we are fi- firmly in the minority and we agree with that, well, we don't agree with it, we acknowledge it, but with this film, it manages to get back to an even keel. Mm. This this, this is the problem. <laughs> I'm going back to it. This is the problem with His Girl Friday. You, if you include... If you incl- I'm going. If I'm you saying include nothing. a death, you can't get back to the yuck yucks straight afterwards, you know? You really can't. But with this film, you've gone to the depths of, you know, death's door, if you will, because of alcoholism. And you bring it back to something of a, a redemption story. His Girl Friday doesn't do that. This film does. Equals, this is better than that film. We talked about that. I mean, obviously, they're incredibly different films, but we talked about that with uh, with Some Like It Hot as well, which is that, you know, when we disagree with the fact that people, uh, some people bill it as the greatest comedy of all time, when we said we both agreed that it isn't. It's a very funny film, but it's not mm. one of those. Is that people seem to forget that, yeah, it's very funny, but it also has several shootouts in it, several people die in it. It's not a laugh a minute, you know, gag fest. There are some quite hard-hitting moments in that, in, in Some Lucky Heart. But it's the same with uh, The Lost Weekend as well. Yes, it's it's a sad, it's a heartbreaking film, but there are moments of levity. Mm, yeah. and, and it does that supremely well. Mm. And that that means a lot when you do a film like this. I mean, the the parts. You know, it sounds awful to say it, but the parts where where Ray Milan is drunk and he's high, and he's delivering soliloquies about yes. you know, about how he feels more liberated when he drinks. It's quite mm. joyful to watch it because you see yeah. this like because he's like a raven half the time jumping around and pecking around like a dark crow and then when yeah. whenever he takes a drink he's like a hummingbird he's like a songbird he's like spreads his wings and he's you know rhapsodizing about <laughs> how beautiful life is and everything like this and when he yeah. breaks into those moments and it becomes a lighter film because here he is you know dancing around and and talking you know, really speaking to the human condition it becomes like yeah. entertainment in a weird twisted way um, sure. It's just very. I mean, it's a very cleverly done film. It's it, mm. it's so it's so good. It it just you know just it just reinforces the fact that I think Billy Wilder was. I, I people people don't lionize him enough I mean, because everyone reaches for Hitchcock or they reach for Capra or mm. you know they reach for Scorsese or they reach for, and you know Billy Wilder always seems to be sort of maybe fourth or fifth on mm. lists of the great. 20th century directors. Yeah. I, I think Hitchcock's probably the greatest director who's ever lived, but he was very, very... I think he had a very certain style. He did break off into comedy every now and then. Billy Wilder was mm-hmm. primarily a writer that did incredible directing for his films. But what I love about Billy Wilder, the writer, is that he didn't say, I write funny, therefore I'm going to make comedies. He was a writer, and it was like, I'm going to serve the story, and if some of it's funny then great and if some of it is shocking then that's just because it had to be for that story and the story is what matters mm-hmm. like double indemnity is terrifying and it's dramatic and it's thrilling and then he put that to one side and went right now i'm going to do you know <laughs> lost weekend which is the, about as the, you know a darker depiction of how low a human can go as possible and then we're going to yeah. do some like heart i'm going to do midnight and they're going to crackle and sizzle and they almost feel like songs mm-hmm. to watch what a talent <laughs> What a talent! He just served the story. Incredible. And I think any any uh, any director or filmmaker or you know creator that does that, he's always always onto a winner. Yeah, I mean it's uh, I mean obviously apart from the acting side, it's it's alter uh, level, isn't it? It's mm. yeah. it's understanding what needs to be done for the writing and the directing. Yeah. and he and he does it so so well. I mean, we're not the first to say this, and we won't be the last to say this because his films are going to last a lot longer, than, uh, a hell of a longer than you and I will. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, and, and as you say, our six you know downloaders and listeners, they'll get a kick out of this. But you know, and we may even a get a seventh. Oh, a seventh? Hmm. Wow. Well, we just say quickly. I, I think Billy Wilder seemed to get that because he came from mm. a more European sensibility, like him and Lubitsch, mm. especially. Uh, Lubitsch definitely had. 
that sort of Billy Wilder streak in him. Like Shop Around the Corner is a very charming, romantic, funny film, but yeah. it has these moments of pitch black human drama, like you know, yeah. Mr. Matushek mm-hmm. trying to kill himself after a, you know, discovers his yeah. wife affair and has to recover. So I definitely think that they were of a type, him and Edgar Olmer and Billy Wilder and Zinnemann and uh, Lubitsch and I just thank God that they did make their way out of that terrible time in history and came to Hollywood and put these dreams onto film and and gave us this kind of cinematic legacy so God bless them <laughs> and it, it's still these are all still readily available mm. these these wonderful films I mean I I, I I knew of this film but I didn't know the the bare bones of it and and watching it today. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I couldn't. You know, I'm not. I'm not sounding like a snob, but you can't ignore how good the filmmaking is in this, the acting is in this, and mm. and of course you can't ignore the score at all. But this is, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a marvelous film. There's something about it though, but because it's, um, I I have an issue, and I think we've talked about this before on the show. I've definitely spoken about it on other shows. Is that I do have an issue with films where you watch someone destroy themselves. I find them very difficult to watch, more so than I find any gory horror film ever. I find them quite easy to watch. It sounds like when it's human nature. I get you. It sounds like you're teeing it up because you're not going to give it a ten. Now I must quickly just. (laughs) <laughs> I must just I must disqualify this by saying I only give a ten to a film that I want to watch a lot. You know, like I could reach for yeah. it any time, and it would uh, serve a certain purpose. Now, for that reason, the Lost Weekend, which I think is a masterpiece, I'm not going to watch it again very soon. I must be honest with you. So, mm. for that reason, for me, it gets a nine because I think the writing's in pepper. I think the acting is incredible. I think it's yeah. really well directed, and it's definitely unforgettable. But it's not, you know, it's not a joyous experience, and I don't think no. go. it's incredibly entertaining <laughs> to watch. But I don't yep. think it, it's like Schindler's List. You you watch it and you go, "Wow, what a piece yep. of art!" It's but a masterpiece. For God's yep. sake, you know, it's not something you'll go. I can't wait to see that again in the morning. So for that reason, it it doesn't get a ten from me either. So it would get a nine. Um, no. But you know, I do think it's impeccably made and I think it's a masterpiece it's no Brighton Strangler yeah let's just say that in terms of rewatchability it's no devil doll (laughs) it's it's not no um but no it is it's it's a masterpiece I mean there's there's no getting away from it some of the camera shots in it the the scenes where he's waking up and the camera's just focused on his eye and how bleary it is and Hmm. I mean that's just wonderful I mean obviously Hitchcock would use it too, and very many others would use it as well. That's nothing new, but it's just the way it's made, the way it's written, the way it's acted. It's yeah, it's a masterpiece. But no, I can't give it a ten because I don't want to rush back to this. Hmm. Uh, I really don't. Um, but no, it's 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 yeah. What a great film! What yeah. a great film! Really Love nice. it. Yes, but um, it's the kind of film you you watch and then you need a shower kind of thing you know it's very it's very it's very it's very claustrophobic so and that's not an experience yeah. i enjoy <laughs> no no i did have a bath actually uh, just coincidentally after i watched this so I was just, it it was just bath. <laughs> <laughs> you, had your, you had your matey bath uh, bubble bath did you and i did yay. i did i did and, and thoroughly nice it was too <laughs> um well i'm gonna put you on the spot then uh, for uh, I should say that was the last weekend, by the way, and <clears throat> yeah, what a fantastic film that is. Dark stuff, yeah. but rewarding. Yeah, very good. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm gonna give you three options for what we watch next. Yeah, well, we you know uh, since the black sleep, which mm, that went well. <laughs> so we either go we either go with a horror, we either go with a dealer's choice, or we go for something sexy. I just suddenly thought we hadn't done a golden age sort of, you know, sexy, erotic type, horny thing. So I thought I'd give you the option. Okay. Um, <laughs> Unless you want to save that till like February for Valentine's Day. <laughs> um. Well, you know, <clears throat> we could do a horror. 
There we go. I'm, I'm not going to pick a film that I find erotic. I mean, just straight. Well, you can um, have two one day. Obviously, there's no Dealer's really choice or sexy time. There's no like erotic thrillers or anything like that in the golden age because obviously they couldn't do it because of the code. Do you know what, Smokey? I'm going to let you have this. We'll go for Dealer's Choice. You never got to watch it with me and the lads, and I would really love your opinion on it. Is what is the House of Hammers film of the year, and also my personal film of uh, 2023, uh, my uh, first watch of 2023. Oh, really? Is the, uh, yeah. Uh, oh. But but don't let that sway my opinion. And <laughs> because I've already done it to death, um, this is going to be, the next episode is going to be a lot of you talking. So get, <laughs> get ready for that. Um, I think we should go for 1958. Mm-hmm. And we should go for a, a little bit of uh, Andre Morel and um, oh, Walter Fitzgerald and oh, Carl Molner. And we should go for The Camp on Blood Island because you haven't seen it. We haven't done a Hammer film mm-hmm. on uh, all the best lines. Uh, 58 just about squeezes into the Golden Age, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we, we Golden Age is a very loose term. But yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. We should definitely do that. So 1958's Camp on Blood Island. I was going to watch it because you yep. raved so much about it when we spoke recently. Mm. So uh, I was thinking I must catch up on that one. It's something I haven't seen, I must be honest. So I'm that that's cool. I would like to have a film where I'm going in blind and not sort of leading you by the hand, trying to get you to a good score. <laughs> so it's going to be nice, the shoes on the other foot, you know? You're going to be trying to lead me mm. towards it now. So interesting. This is true, but I, I I like the I like the crossover between the two shows as well. So I think this could be a lot of fun. Mm. So uh, yeah, let's get let's get you to watch uh, Camp on Blood Island. Um, and as I said, I'm getting a Blu-ray for Christmas, and I I can't wait to to watch it in full glory HD. Nice. Is it? Is there anything I should be watching out for? Is there any? Is there any kind of? Um, what's the perfect circumstance uh-huh. to watch this from? Because this is. Well, I'm reading the synopsis now. Uh, it's a British yeah. World War II film uh, set in a Japanese yep. prisoner of war camp. Uh, deals mm-hmm. with the brutal, sadistic treatment of Allied prisoners by their captors. Now, good Sunday afternoon film, or is it a late night Friday film after a beer? I mean, that kind of thing. What am I looking for in terms of uh, perfect watching experience? I, personally, I would I, I would go for the latter. I would go for a, a, a late night Friday film, couple of beers, but mm-hmm. also, and and it's a thing that. Uh, Ben and Kev uh, like to laugh at me uh, about is the fact that I, whenever I watch it, I can't not watch the fact that Andre Morel doesn't blink in the film. <laughs> I can't stop staring at his eyes, and the man doesn't blink while he acts, and it's <laughs> and it's a wondrous thing to behold. And once you've seen it, you can't not see it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds amazing. Well, I I think we should say to to everyone, thank you very much for listening to us this year. Thank you. Thank you, Um, all six of you. And thank you very much for coming back all this time. (laughs) Absolutely. But uh, also, you know, a happy Christmas and a wonderful new year. Happy holidays, everyone, because I don't think this is going to be out before Christmas, I'll be honest with you. But um, we hope that you had a good Christmas and a you know, if this comes out before the new year, then please, please go out and have lots of sausage rolls and beers with the people you love. Lots more podcasting adventures await. Yeah, yeah, and lots more guests as well. Yeah, we've got mm-hmm. quite a few lined up. So, got some, and got yeah. some luminaries coming up. Oh, yeah, it's going to be cracking. We do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, but uh, until then, well, all the best. Lines or. Oh. Actually, what would Ray Milan say? Uh-oh. All the best wines. <laughs> All the best wines, yeah. <laughs> All the best. <laughs> <laughs>